and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. Um, special treat for you guys this week. Uh, this is the second episode this week. La- last episode, we talked about the the team that got into the big dance. Uh, Green Bay talked about went all about that. Um, this episode is about everybody else. And so I'm Bob McDonald. I can be found on Twitter at Bob McDonald and I am at campuspressbox.com. And as always, I am joined by Jimmy Lemke. Hey everybody. We're having a uh, wonderful selection Sunday here in Milwaukee and Cleveland. Uh, just checking everything out as, as we, uh, you know, are, going to do um <laughs> i'm sorry you can find me at panther you on twitter you can find um you can find our website panther we cover uh milwaukee basketball yeah. uh, covers cleveland so, state so you can come up can you not hear and, me um Yes, I did. Unfortunately, um, my uh, my six month old puppy Harry made an appearance by being disruptive. So, always good. Um, <laughs> always good. Hey, you have a dog that's an ass. I have a dog that's an ass. So we're mine. Down in the corner, so he's not really you know doing. It. Yeah. Well. All right. Um, so today, um, let's talk about. Let, let's just kind of get the ball rolling with Valpo. Valpo yeah. was one of the, clearly one of the first four out. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, they, they, they actually put him out right on the board there as one of the first four out on the selection show. Um, you know, it's 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 heartbreaking because you know that they had quite the team this year. Um, you know, with a few, a few of the seniors that they had, it was a, a real unfortunate because they really had a complete basketball team. You really wanted to see them get into the NCAA tournament. It doesn't happen. Um, I think that anybody will have reasons why. I think the definite one is the the Ball State loss from December, or was it late November, early December. Um, I, it kind of bothered me that they put so much stock in that Ball State loss. I mean, number one, it was a road game. Number two, we are talking about uh, – we do mention from time to time, and you, you hear people say it. Now, the NCAA selection committee takes into account injuries and things like that. And Velpo was banged up. I and apparently, stopped. in the case of Syracuse, the 10 game suspension of Jim Beheim. I think yeah. they actually took that into consideration. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a name. It's a name. It's I a mean, basketball. Seriously, team. how in the hell does that happen? I mean, I, I know I, I, we can go on and on and on about, you know, mid majors getting screwed, but how the hell does Jim Beheim and his non compliant ass get, t- get bounced off of his own team for 10 games and his handsome reward with his crappy schedule still get into the NCAA? Because you're Syracuse? Okay. I mean, I- I thought they were still. There's, you know what? They're still pissed off from 2009 when Cedric Jackson hit him with a buzzer beater. I know Little that was hasn't been back there. Oh, because I, it, the way that the way this whole thing went down, I relish it. Come on, guys. And the, you know what? The the best part is, I they're they're probably going to get bounced out. With they're going to probably lose by double digits in their opening round game. I think they will, and I'll eat my words if they don't. 
But you, uh, you seem to have had quite a bit of sugar this afternoon, Bob. Who, me? Yes. Well, probably. <laughs> Hey, I've been uh, watching a lot of I've been watching a lot of basketball, and as my as many of my brethren at uh, at, at campus press press box have too. By the way, we're going to be all over the we're going to be all over the tournament. So as as I, as I was saying, I I think that the Ball State loss, you know, the NCAA didn't take into account that Scar David Scara had only played uh, three minutes in that game because he was coming off injury, and. Uh, I believe somebody else missed that game entirely. I believe it was one of the walkers missed that game entirely. I believe so, it was, yeah. So, yeah. T- to be, is it is it really fair for Valpo to get kind of screwed like that? I mean, it, they, if they're going to take that into account, they should take that into account and just let it let it let it be, you know. So. I think that's what they really were looking at. Um, you could also point to the fact that Valpo um, didn't have what the NCAA tournament looks at as quality wins. Um, Oregon, Oregon was a close loss. Oregon State was a quality win, but those are the only yeah, two. Yeah, definitely was. I mean, because Oregon State got in and they got in as a seven seed, so that's. Um, I think the I, I think what it comes down what it's probably I think it comes down to and um, you know the Ball State thing is one thing uh, getting the other issue that I think might have played in um, is they get the double buy they get the one seed and they they lose in the semis I think if they I think if they they win in the semis then I think they're in. I, th- I think if they make it to the championship game, I think they're in the NCAA tournament. I well, really do. It's definitely – there's definitely the question. Um, who knew that the, the top two seeds would just get bounced like that in in the Horizon League tournament? It was probably had something to do with, you know, Valpo and, and Oakland not having the run, you know, not having the – they had too much time off. Um, yeah. It was quite the quite the move. Um, it looks like it was Tavon Walker. Tavon Walker didn't play in that in that Ball State game. And Tavon Walker is for all for all intents and purposes should have been an all league player. Did wasn't an all it wasn't first or second team because there are only first and second teams. If there were a, yep. was a third team, Tavon Walker most certainly would have been on there. Mm-hmm. He he didn't play in that game. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it looks like it was E. Victor Nickerson that started in his place. And it, there's nothing wrong with, with saying that a team isn't good enough to play. But when a, team, when a team loses on the road at three, even against a really bad team, can you really when, – when one of your best players is not available and one of your best role players in Skara isn't – available for most of the game. I don't I, I, I don't think the NCAA selection committee took that into account. I think they saw it was a bad loss and then they marked it and forgot about it. And that's what I'm guessing it was. But there is something else with Valpo, and I did touch on it before, but I think it was lack of quality wins being not Valpo's fault, but rather the fault of scheduling as in uh, scheduling as a good mid-major in 2015, 2015-16 season, uh, 
Valpo couldn't get. They got Iona to come to the arc, and they got to play Oregon and Oregon State on the road as part of a tournament. But overall, that schedule, it, it's and it's not Valpo's coaching staff's fault. Whoever does no. the coaching scheduling for Valpo, it's not their fault. It's the fault of the system. The system doesn't allow for good mid-majors who have aspirations of being in the NCAA tournament. It doesn't, it, it, it's, it's very, very difficult for them to get the games. And if Valpo had more games, you know, if Valpo had more games like Oregon and Oregon State, it just, it stands to reason that they'd at least split those games, Yes. You know, say they had, you know, more Oregon, Oregon state level high major games and they went, they went 500. So they went three and three or even Mm -hmm. that's another, that's another quality win that they didn't have because teams wouldn't play them. I mean, I, I have, I have access to basketball travelers. The, uh, the, the board, the the coaches post on it used to be open to everybody and then they locked it. Um, yeah, I think I remember that. I, yeah, I think I remember seeing that once upon a time because they post stuff like, "Yo, your ex so and so is looking for games," and so and on. Velpo was on there looking for hard games. Velpo yeah. was like, "We're looking for NCAA tournament level teams. We want, we want, to, we want to challenge our team this year. Anybody want to take it?" And there, and nobody took it. And Except for Oregon, that, Oregon State. Well, yeah, and that was part of a tournament, and they they stayed in their foxhole in Oregon. So, mm-hmm. is it really Valpo's fault? You you can only win the games that are in front of you, and the players, the, the teams that Valpo played, they they walked away winning most of them. And the Ball State one is the one that everybody's going to call back, go back to, and it's gonna it's gonna suck, you know. They and they whooped up on IPFW. And they and they crushed Iona, which is an NCAA tournament team. They they beat them by like wasn't it by like thirty or like twenty? Was like, I think it was like twenty or twenty five. They beat up on Iona. I mean the game mm-hmm. wasn't even close. Oregon that was Oregon was a close game. It was and Oregon State. I didn't. I I had I had totally um, written them off. I wasn't even paying attention. And then somebody in the Velpo board is like, well, Hey, look, look at, look at Oregon state's resume. And I went back and I'm like, Oh wait, this is a really quality basketball team. It's a quality team that they beat and they beat them on the road. So you can only win the games that are in front of you. And for guys like Alec Peters and, and Vash, Vashil Fernandez, this just, this just, this just sucks. Because they're they are definitely more talented than some of the teams that are in the NCAA tournament instead of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the, the and again, the two that kind of the head scratchers. The one obviously Syracuse. The other one was Tulsa. I, I kind of don't get that one either. I mean, those are the two I really don't get. Tell you the truth. Um, I've seen I've seen Tulsa play a couple games, and I was um, I was very. Uh, I, I was actually pretty impressed by them during the season. I mean, they, they didn't have – they definitely had that bubble resume, but uh, I watched them play, you know, the game against SMU. A guy I work with is a SMU alum, and we were watching the Tulsa-SMU game. And it's, it was uh, – Tulsa was, Tulsa was with them the entire time. SMU is a top 15 school, top 20 school this year, and they were what, the last undefeated team. 
and Tulsa, you know, Tulsa won that. It was a uh, Tulsa, you know, held their own, played that game tough. And maybe uh, that was, and that was probably the, and that was probably the game that got them over the top. Because I, you know, I mean, that's it. You know, that's what it is. But I mean, that's. But regardless, I mean, you have a you have a situation where you know now we're in the, we're at the end, and now we have Valpo, who's going to be the top seed in the NIT. Which, uh, by the way, um, just looking at that bracket, uh, they are playing Texas Southern, the Southwest Athletic Conference regular season champs. Um, That one is probably going to be a walk, if you will. (laughs) Um, And then that game, and then they will, you know, if they win that game, then um, they'll – likely face the winner of Davidson and Florida state. So that should be a, that should be a decent massive. Now, theoretically um, in their, in their bracket or quadrant as, as the NIT is calling it. um, Theoretically, they could realistically have a third matchup with Belmont. If they, if they both make it all the way. Um, If they both make it all the way, theoretically Valpo could play Belmont a third time. Belmont has a very rough road ahead of them to, to get they, there. They, so that would be a pretty incredible if you got a third game between those two schools. That is true because at the bottom of that, but at the bottom of that quadrant, and say the uh, is is uh, St. Mary's is at two seeds. So um, yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a tough road to hoe for uh, for Belmont. But at the same time, you got Valpo, who you know they're they're the top seed. They could be. If they have a good shot of making it to that, uh, making it to Madison Square Garden, so um, I, I think that's going to be a. I think for them, it's you know they they'll you know they'll take the lemons and make lemonade out of it. Truthfully, so there's no Richmond, uh, Richmond on the NIT. They were nope. close, and they had said that they're not. They've just said on Twitter they're not going to be going to a tournament at all. They are not. Marquette is not going to be in the NIT. Um, turns out now that Green Bay is in the tournament, that Marquette has the longest, the the longest dry spell in the state of Wisconsin for teams to the NCAA tournament. So, wow, <laughs> for shame, for shame. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty great. So, um, uh, speaking of not going to any tournament at all, Jimmy. Uh, I'm just gonna. Leave, I'm just going to sit back and let you expound upon the fact that Milwaukee is in fact not going to anything at all. Jimmy, I wanted to make sure that I didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't want to go like crazy, and I, I know that the audience that we're talking to is largely not the Milwaukee fans specifically, so. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, you guys are coming from a different perspective than, than we are. That's it. Uh, before you, uh, before you get a little further, by the way, Jimmy, um, and by the way, if anybody re uh, panthery.com, this is Jimmy kind of really, when it got into it, this is this whole thing this week. Um, by the way, awesome major league reference, by the way, as, as a oh, Clevelander. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to appreciate that. Clevelander, um, in Milwaukee, we love, 
everything major league. Um, the, well, you have. Well, I would think so. I mean, you know, Bob Uecker played a pivotal role in that game, in that in that movie. So I mean, yeah. Also, also our pitcher Pete Vukovic was the played Clue Haywood, the big bad bat for the Yankees. He was yes, Clue. So I mean, there was. Plus, they. I mean, they did the whole thing right here in. Uh, I mean, County Stadium was the stadium where they filmed. You know the the Indians' home games. That is, so, yeah, that, which I find interesting because you know, which I find I, I, odd because you know Cleveland Stadium. You know, come on, guy, it, it's it's lay. It was lay. Old Municipal Stadium laying around, nothing better to do. So, well, Municipal Stadium. The funny thing is, like Municipal Stadium was is is nothing like County Stadium in Milwaukee. Um, oh, no, County Stadiums. County Stadium is like very open. It was really just the 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 areas that have that had roof over it were really just the first and third baselines to home plate, mm-hmm. and obviously municipal municipal in Cleveland was a, was a it's much more. I mean, it goes to like the middle of you know left center and right center, right with the with the mm-hmm. roof. It was yeah. So meant, and and of course and a great a great great uh, feature of municipal stadium obstructed view stating is seating. Yeah, we actually do have uh, at, at Miller Park the stadium that they they built here in two thousand one. <clears throat> Excuse me, at Miller Park they have uh, obstructed view seating behind home plate all the way up on top. The they call them the euchre seats, and you can't have you can't buy them before uh, you know online or anything. You have to come up to the gate, and they're a dollar a piece. <laughs> Anyway, I, I got, I got, we got a little too far field. I'm sorry. I, I had to make the major league reference. Had to, had to express my appreciation for it. Uh, proceed, Jimmy. Right. So, I wanted to come at this from a from a different angle because I know that you know we'll have Oakland fans that'll be listening. We'll have Valpo fans that'll be listening. Cleveland fans. And what I what I want to say is that you know we've only been to the CBI once. So it, it, I, for some of the schools that have been to these postseason tournaments, you know, Oakland's been to the CIT, I think, like three or four times. I'm, uh, that's, don't, don't quote me on that. I'm just – I'm trying to guess. I think it was about three or four times. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, you got Greg Campy out there making the comment that, um, that you know, they're, they're done with kind of like these cutesy tournaments, it's time to get, you know, a, a better one. And then they're open to the Vegas 16. It definitely sounds like the Vegas 16 is situating itself as that third tournament and then mm-hmm. forcing the CBI and CIT into, you know, like a fourth tier rung. But what I, what I would say is that, you know, number one, we haven't played those. And uh, number two, Oakland did use those. Um, and Campy will say this. Absolutely. As you know, at the time, Oakland used those tournaments to, you know, build this program and get better. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. You can't really say like how much each of those tournaments really affects affects the team because everything's different from year to year. But mm-hmm. I know that um, I know that y- y- there's nothing wrong with more basketball, especially when when donors for the university are willing to foot the bill, and you don't have to deal with you know having that cost. If the play, if the donors are willing to pay for you to play it doesn't matter how much Loyola spent in the NCAA tournament last year or the, excuse me, the CBI last year. Um, I it, found that to be, and honestly, I found that to be kind of uh, when I read that in the, uh, cause I read the journal, the, the, you know, the, the Milwaukee papers 
take on that. Gary DeMato interviewed Amanda Braun, and she had mentioned that Loyola had spent something like $250,000 last year hosting the CBI, and they ended up winning it. And Uh what what Phil's mentioned is that uh, they paid to host every one of those games. So it was – Well, yeah. You you, – to get into the CBI, you have to pay enough. You have to pay to be able to host at least one. Mm-hmm. Um, 2011, we didn't have to, or excuse me, 2012, we didn't have to pay to get into the CBI because we had a, we agreed to be a part of the the same promote the same group. I I can't remember the promoter of the CBI. Um, it is because um, the Gazelle Group. Gazelle Group yeah. is the people to do the is it the preseason NIT that they do they do yeah. they do they, they do, do early in-season tournaments and yeah, we, we agreed to be a part of the that and by doing that and eschewing a home game as part of that tournament the Panthers got to play in this in the CBI without having to incur costs on that mm-hmm. um I believe they had to cover travel costs there in that seat that year and this year our donors are willing to pay for it all um, now I, I understand where people are, where some people are coming from. Um, I understand where Amanda Braun, the RAD, is coming from when she says that, you know, these aren't these aren't the goal. Goal of the program is not to be in the CBI. We mm-hmm. agree that, the, you know, the goal of the program, you know, she wants to be top three in the conference and top one hundred in the country. Um, those are very uh, those are attainable goals for a team that has pro- has been averaging between four and five the last ten years. Um, that seems to be an achievable goal, uh, whether that's for Rob Jeter next year or uh, another coach after him. Um, those are achievable goals. But I will say this is that when, when the, the tournaments come to you and say, you know, we'd like you to participate and the players want to be in it and the coaches want to be in it and the donors are willing to spend money on it and the fans want to be a part of it. It's hard to say, it's hard to say, well, we didn't reach our goal, so therefore we're not we're not going to be a part of this. <clears throat> With um, it, our goal is to get into the NCAA tournament. That doesn't mean that if we go to the if we get you know, into the NIT, we're not going to take them up on that offer. We're going to go and we're going to play, and we should we should look at it as an opportunity to make you know make our guys better. It's just a it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to take when when you watch this this team and this group of guys go through what they did yeah it, i think that's kind of the other part of this here because uh, the question that i have is are you know if this group is eligible to play in a postseason last year and they do end up in in you know things kind of change does that kind of change the dynamic of turning down a postseason this year is my question because you see that in you you you're seeing that you see that in varying it's always on a case-by-case basis i mean last year uh i'm looking at it right now i mean you know kent state is opting not to be a part of the uh postseason kent state you know similar mid-major um not one of not the only one obviously um so it's it just comes down. I mean, even some of the. So I, I guess the question is: Do you does from a standpoint of being able to kind of having this group, you know, 
in recognition of you know sticking it out for a year where they wouldn't going to be able to do anything at all, that's, where they weren't able to do anything at all. That, that's where this comes from. Every every program has to answer the question for themselves. You know, is this something that is this is is are these postseason tournaments really something that we want to be a part of this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, every program's different. Uh, Kent, you, you know, you named Kent State uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. We named. Uh, it sounds like uh, it sounds like Marquette may play in the Vegas 16 if they don't. Every program has to answer for themselves because none, no program, no two programs are the same. Everybody mm-hmm. comes from different points of view. And from my point of view, I see a group of kids and guys like you know seniors like Matt Tybee, JJ Panoski, and J.R. Lyle. You know, mm-hmm. three guys who were part of this program. Uh, Lyle joined in 13-14 in the tournament year. Uh, Panoski and Tybee uh, had been here in 12-13. and 13. 12-13, Tybee came in semester and sat out that the rest of the second semester of 2013 season. Uh, sure. J.J. Uh, Panoski had been a uh, freshman eligibility-wise that year, so he, yeah. he, he was playing. Um, those three guys have given years to the program. And – the players that were responsible for the APR ban of 2014-15, the 2015 mm-hmm. tournament that we were banned from, the players that were the, – the, the people, the players that had been um, part of that ban were no longer with the program going into the 2013-14 season. So yes. we're talking about guys that do not – did not play for even the 2014 tournament team. So when we got to the 2014-15 year and we were going through, there were several players who could have transferred out without missing a year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Austin, Austin Arians could have transferred out. Um, Steve McWhorter could have transferred out. Evan Richard could have transferred out. Um, yes. These guys all stuck through it. I mean, Steve McWhorter who had led this team to its first NCAA tournament as a, as the point guard, you know, he was the point for the first NCAA tournament team in eight years. He, for, he, he for went going somewhere else in which he could, he could have started at point guard for any number of, you know, tournament level teams or post teams, you know, he stuck around and stuck through it Mm -hmm. and, and, the, the the character of the guy to be willing to do that is is incredible, and sure. he was far from the only one. You know, we are got we I mentioned Arians, we mentioned um, you know Arians redshirted in twenty fourteen fifteen to maintain yes, his he did. for this year and next year. You know, he could have gone somewhere. There was a there was a very high level school um, that is very close to us and very close. I mean, like, I won't say which, but they are an upper Midwestern high major. They are an NCAA team team this year. And they Mm -hmm. recruited Austin uh, as soon as the APR ban hit without uh, trying. And um, Austin, Austin told them basically to screw off. You know, he was, he was, he, he was so committed to his teammates and coaches that he was willing to stick it out to see to see it through to, to now. Mm-hmm. These, guys, these, these players have now, in the fall of 2015, 
broke the record for team GPA that they set in spring of 2015 after uh-huh. spring of 2015, they broke the team GPA record of fall 2014. So three straight semesters, this program this men's basketball program has broken the, the academic record, the team uh-huh. GPA of the, of the, of the program. Um, guys from the Pearl era and the Bull Ryan era. And there was a guy from like the eighties that they all came back to graduate because it would help the APR, even though they weren't hurting the APR, they were out of the APR, um, the mix uh-huh. after, that. you know, guys came back and graduated and it was, it was really cool to see guys that had been, you know, classmates of mine who had you know, gone back. Like one guy went back home um, when he was going to graduate. He had, he went back home to, uh, take care of a sick mother because it was just mm-hmm. him and his mom. His mom got cancer. She ended up getting better, but he was out there when he should have been finishing up his studies. And by should, I mean like by the NCAA standards. But I think it takes a lot of character for somebody to put off their future to go take care of a sick mother. And that guy counted against the APR in for their 2012-13 uh, you know, the, the five-year period leading up to 2012-13. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, out of there. It didn't, it, you know, he counted against us for the 14-15 you know, score. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy who was playing professional sports. And because, uh, because somebody in the university did not file the correct paperwork, because he's not, he was not a pro basketball player, but a professional player in another sport, uh-huh. He didn't, and I will not say who that is, but he did not, uh, he counted against the team for the AP mm. score. So, you know, but he, he's come back and he's going to graduate by the, sometime this summer he's graduating. Uh, I don't know uh, in August if he'll walk or not, but he's graduating. The, the program, and those are all guys from the past, the guys from now, you know, I've talked to, you know, several players. Uh, one of them, we watched uh, the Horizon League championship game today on ESPNU, the women's tur- the women's tournament semifinal. Mm-hmm. Not a fun game to watch, so we ended up talking about the events of the past few days. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he talks about how you know this Amanda Braun has brought up that you know we have these goals of being top three, top one hundred. You know, we. we these are not the CBI CIT. They're not worthy of us spending our resources on. Um, she had sent that in an email to parents and then the parents forwarded that to me. And that's on PantherU.com. If you want to read her email to parents, yep. um, she, she mentions multiple times that finances are part of it. Finances were not part of it because the donors were willing to pay for the entire thing. Um, the, uh, I was, I was mentioning um, these goals that she had set. And there's nothing wrong with having goals. But I talked to that, the, these players today that I talked to while we were watching this women's basketball game. You know, I, I was like, you know, this is the, the, when she sent that email and I got to see it, that was the first time I had ever heard of, you know, a specific top three finish in the Horizon League, top 100 overall. That's the first time I've heard of anything like that as far as like a goal for getting into the postseason. And mm-hmm. they – out said that there was there there wasn't any uh, goal as far as that's concerned. It was let's try and get a you know the team had set themselves the the coaches and players themselves had said let's try and be in the top two 
so they could get the double buy. That was what their their goal was. But Amanda Braun had no she had said no goal. There was no goal for there's no goal to be set there. Um so how can you really how can you tell these kids who basically ate a quarter of their eligibility as basketball players last year, uh, except for Austin, who redshirted and could have gone elsewhere. You know, mm-hmm. all these kids who could have gone elsewhere to play in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I understand that the CBI and CIT is not where anybody wants to be. We all want to be in the NCAA tournament, and, f- and, and, and failing that, we want to be in the NIT. And I understand, mm-hmm. I understand that we all feel that way. I feel that way. Would I rather be in the NIT than the CBI or CIT? Of course. But these kids gave a lot of, of per, you know, they gave a quarter of their college career and we didn't lose any transfers off of the 13 no. team or the 14-15 team. It wasn't until um, after, the, you know, after the Notre Dame game uh, this, this season when Justin Jordan – uh, Michael Jordan's nephew decided he was going to leave the team, and then Jaquan McLeod in uh, in in was it late January or in February, he decided he was going to leave. Um, the two those those hit blindsided everybody. Um, yeah. They did that for their own reasons. Um, it sounded from the guys that I've talked to, and these are guys who are very close with Jaquan. They they had said that it had to do with playing time. So that's definitely, you know, it was, it was all playing time. There wasn't anything personal with any of the players or coaches or anybody like that. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a playing time thing. So, so, but these guys that are here now, you know, McLeod's not here. Uh, Jordan's not here. These guys that are on this roster right now at the end of the 2015-16 season, all of these guys stuck, it, stuck through it with the, the, with the program. They stuck mm-hmm. with Milwaukee. When there was no postseason for them to play last year, and they had nothing to do with it, and they want to keep playing, and the donors want them to keep playing. We've got a few donors that just love Matt Tidy, and they love JJ Panoski and J and, and June, the JR Lyle. They love those guys, and they will and and they're willing to pay, you know, five figures to make sure that those guys can can end on their own terms. You know, Tybee had, you know, the, the Green Bay game on Sunday last week, Tybee had an incredibly bad shooting performance. J.J. Panoski fouled out with a few minutes left. J.R. Lyle got hurt. I mean, he got hurt in that game. He, uh, he whacked his, one of the Green Bay players, and they ran into each other. He whacked his arm. It was, so these guys gave a lot to, to play for this school. You have to. I understand if Amanda Braun wants to make a point, but mm-hmm. this, this wasn't the team to make the point with is what I'm saying. This isn't the team to make a point with. If you want to make a point to Rob Jeter, I don't know why, because she wants to get rid of him anyways. And that's not going to, you know, that's not going to change if Rob Jeter goes to a final four next year. And it's not going to, so it's not going to change for Rob and his coaching staff. And what are you saying to guys like Tybee who, 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 everything you'd ask them to do. They didn't win the number of games that you needed them to win. They won 20 games and the NCAA tournament team from two years before won 21 games. So 
are they are they really that are they really so far back that they don't are they, do they just not deserve to pl- keep playing at all? Uh, that's what it just really bothers me. And we already know that it's um, it's hurting us recruiting. I'm, I'm, yeah, that was. A, here's my question, and this is, and this is something else. Entire, you you bring up something, and I you know now Rob Jeter is his his contract is up at the end of next year, correct? June first, twenty seventeen, I believe, is the date that is okay. Uh, so his so his so his so his contract is up at the end of next year, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like kind of all all signs point to him not getting his contract renewed. Sounds like. Yeah. I I mean, there's, there's kind of a, there's kind of, but, but it it seems to me that this is more of a, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. It seems to me that this is more of an underlying kind of internal battle between Jeter and Braun. That's just kind of, that's got collateral damage basically. And the collateral damage is the seniors. Well, a question I have is: is what axe does Jeter have to grind? You know, what, what is the what is the where is the fight? What where, what is Jeter defending? Is he defending his job? Because he he knows that it's it's almost you know probably over next year. Um, yeah. He knows that. The coaching staff knows it. The players know it. Everybody knows this is probably. You know, the- to that end, to that end, and this is my other question, though, yeah. is with, with these actions that isn't the AD kind of telegraphing, you know, negatively affecting the program even after 2017 if they do this. I mean, that's, yes. that's, I, I, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's kind of my, con- that's kind of should be the concern that it's, it should, I, I, this action does not, not only speaks to, I mean, it doesn't, may not, you know, what I think about this is irrelevant, but if this is, if it, this is indicative of a, of a further internal battle that is going to affect not only next year, but ever subsequent years, because it's going to affect recruiting, it's going to affect everything else, then what that's kind of my wow that's i mean that, that that's kind of a that's kind of a real issue every opposing coach who recruits against us is going to use her against us in negative recruiting until she's gone this is this is a this is an athletic director who looked point blank in the blank in the face of people who gave up a year of their college well, career it's kind of oh. Well, Milwaukee kind of goes through ADs like uh, the drummers and spinal tap, so you know odds might be pretty good actually. The thing is that this May she will be three full years with Amanda Braun, so it's actually yeah. it's she has brought stability to the job. And when I say stability, I don't mean stability in like actual the actual job itself. I mean that she sat in the chair for three years. Um, okay. It, so so what. Yeah, we. we you want a cookie? Made... I mean, <laughs> well, no, I, I wasn't. It, it's not that I she mean, doesn't... just because you just because you've been at a spot for three years doesn't mean you're necessarily any good at your job. I well, mean, she could have pulled the plug on Kyle Recklitz after last, you know, after last season and Kyle's third year as the women's basketball coach, and they finished second in the conference this year. And she was uh, named uh, coach of the year, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yes. And she also, uh, you know, Amanda also took us back from the on-campus arena back downtown and then, um, you know, taking some, some idiots recommendation goes and convinces the university to buy the naming rights to the, to the arena. So now, you know, we've, we've bought the naming rights. So Amanda's done those things. Um, uh, Upgrades to the arena have been done by the Wisconsin center district. She didn't have anything to do with that. Um, Mm -hmm. I know, I know that corporate sponsorships are, we've lost some of our biggest corporate sponsors. Um, And I've heard from the mouth of the corporate sponsors themselves that they, that she is a, uh, the biggest, the biggest reason why that she, that, uh, you know, we lost, lost, I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to name the sponsors themselves, but we've well, lost some. Yeah, sponsors. I don't need to. And if she, they want to advertise with us. Yeah. Hey, go, we're over here. <laughs> she's, lost, she's lost donors. And, you know, I, first you get a Keem Springs talking on Twitter. Then you get a couple of okay, yeah. then, then you hear from me. Um, I will say this. Um, it's not over as no, far probably as not. And Rob Jeter is not talking. Um, I've tried talking to the, to all the coaches and they, they're like, and not, not from a media standpoint, just from like, you know, being, you know, friends for as long as we've been around each other. And they're like, we're staying completely out of it. Like they, they want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So they're they're I mean, Jeter, I never even got a response. From. So sure. these guys are staying out of it. And from what I hear, the from what I hear, it's not over as far as um, the side of the players, mm-hmm. um, the players themselves, not the not the coaches, because the coaches, like I say, are they're they're laying completely low. They don't. They're just they're just doing their job. They're doing their mm-hmm. job. Problems off recruiting right now, I believe. Um, he's at a you know, funeral like today or tomorrow that he was going to be at, and he was on re- recruiting at the same time. Um, but. Um, you know, they're staying out of it. All we hear from Amanda Braun is, you know, we, we hear that, well, it was financial things. Well, it's not a financial thing. Well, it's a goal thing. Well, you didn't, you didn't share these goals with the team. So how are, how are they supposed to know that this, that you're not going to take them, let them go to the CBI or CIT just because, and these, these, you know, today in this article today, she's like, well, there was no formal offer from, for a formal invite from either of these teams. Of course, there wasn't a formal invite. You're not going to get a formal invite until you tell them that you're coming. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's not you know, a formal invitation coming until you're already saying you're going to go. So, so what are you trying to spin here? Everything, everything with Amanda Braun is spin. And there's she's an extremely intelligent person. And in every every time I've spoken with her, she's been very cordial. Um, you know, I, I, you get fans and donors and sponsors that will tell me that she's cold and I've never gotten that. I, you know, I've always have been able to speak with her on a personal level. She's, she seemed, you know, we, we've gotten along in person. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't caught the cold vibe that some people have, but, um, I did catch the cold vibe once at a basketball game, but that was mostly because I was being a jackass. It was nothing to do with anything else. You know, I was being sarcastic when we were losing to UIC uh, last season at home. Uh-huh. Uh, she was like, "Hey, be a fan." I'm like, "Oh, uh, yeah, thanks." Like, you you need to tell me to be a fan. Like, okay, whatever, that's fine. Um, 
I, I don't agree with how she how she did it. And yeah. I don't agree with the, okay. the decision itself. So at the at the end of the day, and just to just to wrap up the Milwaukee thing, um, these players feel like they were robbed. These play, players feel like they were lied to by their athletic director who said that she supported them. These players feel this way. And they have spoken out because they're angry. She also tried claiming in this article today that not all of the players were, were interested. I've spoken with just about every player, and every single one of them wants to play. Every single one of them wants to play. So I don't know where she's coming with this. But it sounds to me like she's using spin. Sounds to me like she said, no players say anything to any media. I'm going to go and put words in your mouth. That, that's what it sounds like to me. So I'm, I'm just, at, at this point, I think that I think it's time for Milwaukee to get on the carousel again. Um, a lot of our fans don't want, don't want Jeter to be around anymore. I get that. I understand that. We've had, his tenure has been, you know, from a record standpoint and amount of postseason standpoint, um, it would be a little bit better than average, uh, which mm-hmm. to these fans is not acceptable anymore. You know, Bruce Pro blew the ceiling wide open as far as expectations with these fans. Oh, yeah. So, you know, anybody who was going to follow him was going to have a tough time, and Rob's going on 12 years here. So mm-hmm. it's tough for Rob. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You know, Rob's probably going to be leaving at the end of next year. So I, I'm at the point where I want this program to get itself set for that decision. And okay. I don't trust this coach to make that decision because she'll turn down the postseason as well as the other things that I outlined in the, in the blog post from Friday, as well as a whole bunch of other things that I didn't even mention in that, in that piece. Uh, that well, here's my other question to you. And uh, yeah, well, uh, and uh, I, I want to get, I want to get a little bit to some of the other, uh, the other schools as well um, here really quick. Um, my other question, and this is, this is something we probably have alluded to in previous episodes. Say, that Rob Jeter does in fact, you know, leave at the end of 2017. Amanda Braun is still the AD. Do you trust your AD to make the right decision as it relates to a replacement head coach? That well, is the I want question. The, I want the Chancellor Mark Money to make that decision. Um, he is not. Is uh, he's, he's hasn't shown that he is what we call, would call an athletics uh, chancellor. He is. Mm-hmm. Uh, most chances he comes from academia, complete academia. So I, I know that he wants to be supportive of the program. Mm-hmm. And I think next year for us to, you know, I, I, for everybody to show him how to be, you know, that supportive chancellor for athletics because he wants to do it. So let's just, let's, let's get him to do that because I want him making that decision. And to, to be frank, I, I've defended Amanda Braun with the people that have been complaining about her for years. Uh-huh. Uh, partly because I've always, I, I've, I've looked at our revolving door in that chair and thought that eventually people are going to say, well, it's not the person it's the, it's the program. And to, to, a, to an extent that's true, but that culture around that program with all of the people that had institutional memory that have been run off, and all the things that she's doing in men's basketball now, I don't think that the culture can 
I don't think the culture is going to get better with her as athletic director. And we know it's going to hurt recruiting. We know it's going to hurt recruiting, and we know it's going to—it's just going to hurt the program. These players, you know, the, the the one thing I will say about this is that these players are reacting the same way that Tom Berenger and every one of those guys in, on the Cleveland Indians did in a movie. They're they did. Pissed they're pissed off, and they're and they're going to go try and win absolutely everything to take it out of her hands next season. They don't want her hands to decide whether or not they go to the post the postseason next year. They're, they, they want nothing to do with her, and I don't blame them. And I, I think that at this point, as a fan of the program for 12 years, um, with everything that I've seen her do, everything that I've seen, uh, every decision I've seen her make, um, she's probably made two or three decisions that I've thought have been really good decisions. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought I thought they were pretty obvious decisions. One or two of them were my ideas to begin with. So, you know, I'm glad that I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad to have an athletic director that would listen to you know listen to what I was saying, not being a donor but being you know a fan. Um, mm-hmm. Happy to have that, but okay. I I'm, I think we need to move on. Okay, I think just like we need to move on with this podcast. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I'm glad we got to that point. <laughs> um. I, I I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, I, I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about Oakland. Um, it looks like while whereas the whereas Milwaukee is obviously not interested is not able is not going to be going to uh, a postseason. Looks like uh, Oakland is looking at definitely going to a postseason and from what it sounds like from their AD, their big focus is going to be on Vegas, uh, that Vegas 16 tournament. Um, I have not, and we're, we're, we're recording on Sunday, so I have not seen anything related to that, uh, though that particular tournament as yet. Um, but that seems to be kind of the direction they want to go. Um, and I think the other thing, um, yeah, and, and it makes sense. Um, if I'm Oakland and I've got Kay Felder on my roster, who, by the way, was named the sport at third team sporting news, all American, I might add, um, you want to keep playing and you have the, and, and you know, you, you have the, you have the group that definitely wants to, you know, definitely they still have those competitive juices flowing. They finished second in the horizon league. They want to, you know, they want to get at it. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that'll be, and like I said, unfortunately, as of, as of the recording of this podcast, we do not know exactly which postseason tournament they're heading to, but it, it's a pretty safe bet that they're going to be, that they're in, they're going to be in one and that's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be chomping a bit to take all comers. Campy's on Twitter. He's been on Twitter, uh, lobbying the last couple of days to, jump the NCAA tournament from 68 to 96. What do you think about that? Um, you know what? And realistically, we're at the point where we have 351, 352, 350 some odds to, uh, teams in division one in the NCAA. Now when the, when the, 
when the NCAA expanded the tournament from 32 to 64 and then subsequently to 68, there were considerably less. You have you have a you you've grown Division One by leaps and bounds, and at some point in time, you need to get to a point where your tournament, your signature tournament, reflects that. You have to get to that point. College football has done this because college football has it has added bowl games like crazy for years. Why is it that why is it that bowl even even with the college football playoff they've expanded bowl games like crazy to the point where they're bringing they're they're inviting you know they're inviting you know teams with losing records based on their APR which by the way thought that was the funniest thing on the planet and the most ironic thing on the planet why is it that you have football I think I already know the answer to this but why is it that you have football that they you add you you where you add bowl games left and right even in the face of the overarching you know college football playoff how is that expanding and yet on the on the basketball end which by the way come tournament time money maker for the NCAA I think we all know that I mean it's it's universally accepted I mean the the networks know this they you know pretty much pour in all their money on the tournament side. How is it that that tournament has not expanded at all? I mean, it expanded to 68. Well, whoop-de-doo. Why have you not? I mean, I, mean I, I would make the argument for 96. I would not. I Probably that would be the upper limit for me just because. Um, but I would make the argument for 96. I don't know if I would go as far as Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight made the, made the argument that we should go to 128. Um, yeah, I, I would not. Uh, and well, we could go, we could go complete. We could go complete. Honestly, we, maybe we could go completely off the rails here. We could go full Ohio. We could go high school tournament on everyone. Okay, everybody gets in. Go to the sectionals and the regionals. And you're, still about, you're still talking about barely a third of the teams. You are. If the NIT didn't exist, would 128 really be that bad? Because you, you, you're talking going for ninety six, you're talking about going to ninety six and adding the thirty two, and you're almost at that. You're wait, you are at that number anyways. So what's mm-hmm. what's the problem of just eliminating the NIT and making it all the NCAA tournament? Um, the argument that I would make, and why at this point, I uh, I wouldn't lean this way because I personally do think that ninety six is a good number. Um, but I, for the I, amount of teams that are, for the amount of teams that are in Division One now, I think ninety six is a good number. I think ninety six is a pretty good number, and the the what I'm saying to support the people who want to keep it at sixty eight or around that number. What I will say is this: um, you know, sixty eight game. Uh, this seems games. like this is an argument we could have made last episode, but people <laughs> <laughs> look at the NCAA tournament as being these 68 teams. And I personally look at the NCAA tournament as beginning with the first, your first game in the conference tournament. I feel like when, when we lost to green Bay on Sunday, on Sunday that we were eliminated from the NCAA tournament. And that's how it goes with a lot of, you know, a lot of high school stuff, you know, you play your conference and 
that, that, that gets you into regionals and then sectionals or, where, or whatever, however they, they list it. I feel like to, to me, these teams works a little, it works a little different in Ohio, but you know, it's, it's obviously it's a little different in every state, but my, 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 the point sure. I'm trying to make is this, is that when Cleveland state, Cleveland state was technically in the NCAA tournament because they had to lose to green Bay in the horizon league tournament before there was no hope for them anymore. If Cleveland state had beaten green Bay, then beaten Milwaukee, then beaten Valpo, then beaten right, uh, beaten uh, right state then Cleveland State would have been in the NCAA tournament and we would have been talking about it. So none of those teams, none of the, the only team that was eliminated out of the Horizon League was Northern Kentucky because they're ineligible as in their last year of being a provisional team. But the other nine schools, you're in the NCAA. I always look at it as like we were eliminated by the, from the NCAA tournament by Green Bay in the quarterfinals of the Horizon League tournament. And I, 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 that's why I think that 68 isn't a bad number because all of these teams mm-hmm. that are part of the 68 had to win enough or had to win their tournament to get there. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you count their tournament as being a pod in the NCAA tournament rather than just being a conference tournament, it, it makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all right. I think we at this point in time we're gonna we'll wrap it up again. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit more about. Uh, we'll definitely talk more about Valpo and Oakland and probably and and Wright State next week, um, depending on how they're doing, how they've done to this point. I think we'll still be talking about Valpo for a couple more weeks, just based on their schedule. So. Um, but yeah, well, we, but yeah, we, we're still doing the rise on, we're, we're doing, we're doing more episodes and so we're riding it till the wheels fall off, Jimmy. Yeah, we're going to keep on doing it all the way through the end of the horizon league season. Um, so, thanks everybody yeah. for your support with all this, uh, with, with, with the horizon round table. Um, we're really happy to, uh, I'm really happy to get people to say it. Uh, shout out to Greg Campy because I had a few people, uh, DM me on Twitter saying that he 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 was name dropping the Horizon Roundtable when he was at the Horizon League tournament last <laughs> week. So, wait, 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 which which episode though? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, Greg Campy's awesome. Is basically what what. A, I can see Greg Campy probably. I can see. I can see Greg Campy probably going to going up to one of the Horizon League people. It's like, hey, did you know there's a letter out there? There's an email out there from John Lacrone. <laughs> an email out there from John Lacrone, huh? To me, yeah, from like 2001. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned it. Oh God! All right. Um, with that, uh, we'll we'll catch you next week. Um. We're at fourlights.fm and go visit the site. We it's a, they got completely redesigned. It's it looks great, I think. Um, and you know, you know, subscribe to us where where good podcasts are found. Thanks, everybody.